Thank you, Ian. Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joy Kwai Pan, and I serve as one of the pastors here in First Alliance Church. And it is always my joy to spend time in the Word of God with you all. So this morning, we're going to continue our Advent sermon series entitled, Mary's Song. Mary is filled with hope. She's filled with excitement and triumph as she declares and sings this song called the Magnificat. And that word is taken from the Latin uh, meaning magnify. The Magnificat is one of the most famous songs in Christianity. But more than anything, the Magnificat is a celebration and a declaration of who God is and what God has done and what he is doing now in this moment in eternity. So although Mary is the one singing this song, it isn't about what Mary is doing or what she needs to do. But this song is a declaration of the magnificence and the magnitude of who God is and his mighty deeds. So Mary in this song is put before us as a model, or I'd like to use the word, she's put before us as a prototype of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So as we go through this song, what we're asking is this, at the back of our mind, what were the circumstances that brought about this song? But most importantly, what can we learn from Mary? So I'd like to invite you all now to open your Bibles with me or any device that you read God's Word from. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to focus this morning on verses 50 to 52. But I'm actually going to invite you to read with me throughout the entire song from verses 46 to 55 so that we get to hear the whole song in its entirety, and then we're going to focus on verses 50 to 52. You can find it on page 831 on the Pew Bible, but I'll also have it on the PowerPoint slide so you can read aloud with me or quietly with me, whatever you prefer. So let's read together. Uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 46 to 55. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This too is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Let us pray together. O Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us a fresh understanding of your word this morning, that we may know and fully comprehend what we've just heard and what we've just read. 
We ask that you would illumine our hearts and our minds to clearly see your truth, that we may respond in faith and be empowered to live for Jesus. In his powerful name we pray. Amen. So this year has been a momentous year for me and my family. We celebrated several pivotal milestones that caused me to sing for joy. And as 2019 is drawing to a close in a, f in a few weeks, I am filled with gratitude for the blessings that we received, for God is good. So this year, both my kids graduated from university with honors. When their names, hold on, when their names were called during convocation, you know what? I didn't opt to sit quietly in my seat and opt to clap daintily. You know what I did? When I heard their names, I jumped up from my seat and with a loud voice so that everyone in the auditorium could hear that this is my kid. You know what I said when they were walking down the aisle? That's my kid! You know? I embarrassed them, but I don't care. You know, I cried for joy when they received their diplomas because to me, it was an absolutely epic moment. Finally, they're going to move out. <laughs> Finally, we can renovate. Finally, we can repaint the rooms. But those are just extra thoughts, and I just want to share this picture. I was filled with joy, and this, was, this picture was taken during our son's graduation. They both performed extremely well in their chosen fields of study. So when we got the news that they were both in the dean's list, you know what? This Filipino mama broke out in song. Oh, yeah. You know, it was just one of those moments that my joy can only be expressed in song because I was just bubbling over with joy, with happiness, and with pride. And I needed to sing out my joy or I'll burst. Have you ever had those moments? And I'm just going to take this picture down because I look fat. <laughs> so now, my context... And my reason for singing, breaking out in song, was due to a very socially acceptable and very dignified situation, especially if you're Asian. You know what I mean? I know you're laughing, but it's true. But I had absolutely zero social dilemma to worry about. That joy came with no pain. It came with no consequences. Now, unlike what I just shared with you from my personal experience, just before Mary bursts into song, she finds herself in a situation that wasn't exactly socially acceptable or even remotely dignified for a lowly peasant Jewish teenage girl from a small town in Galilee called Nazareth. It wasn't. An angel shows up and literally interrupts her life when she hears these words, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
the angel then goes on to informs Mary that she's going to conceive and she's going to give birth to a son and she's going to call him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendant and his kingdom will never end. Imagine receiving that kind of announcement. So Mary, in this announcement, she's given a very, really high and noble calling. She will carry within her, her body, the promised Savior of the world. Not just a baby, but the promised Savior of the world. And through him, through this baby, God will fulfill all his promises that he made to their ancestors. All the promises that God said he would do in the Old Testament will be satisfied and will be fulfilled through this baby. And the salvation of God will be made known through this, gi- through this child born to her. But now she has a choice. She needs to make a decision of how to respond to this grand announcement. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 29, Mary, it said there that Mary was greatly troubled. And she asked the angel, well, how is this going to work since I'm a virgin? Now, that is a legit question, by the way. You see, Mary, she was engaged. And in that society, she was already as good as married, just without the living together part. You know what I'm talking about. Engagement usually lasted for about a year, and it was legally binding, and any social contact with any other person was considered adultery. The only way out of this arrangement was through a legal, uh, legal proceeding called divorce. So this was Mary's context, and she lives in this ultra, super conservative culture, and the penalty for adultery was death. So can you imagine what the consequences would be for her, her family, and even the child that she will bear if she believes and acts upon this announcement? Can you imagine? Now, it would have been more convenient, I was thinking about this, it would have been more convenient for Mary if the angel had appeared to the whole village and said, well, gather around, folks. Listen here. This here Mary, she is highly favored, and she is going to bear a son. She's not married, but she's highly favored, and this pregnancy is because of the Holy Spirit. That would have been more efficient, wouldn't it be? But it didn't happen that way. It wasn't an easy decision Her decision to obey came with suffering. It came with a high price. Mary could literally be thought of as the first disciple who suffered for Christ, the first one who took up her cross on behalf of Jesus, if you really think about it. So when Mary asks the angel, she turns and says, well, how can this be? The angel Gabriel tells her that it is God's own spirit and God's power that will bring about this new life. Then the angel also gave Mary something that can be verified, and this was in Pastor Andrew's sermon two weeks ago, so check it out in the website. The angel said to her, 
even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, she who was said to be unable to conceive and have a child, she is now in her sixth month. Check it out. Verify if this is true. So despite this really difficult circumstances, Mary chooses to respond in faith and belief. And Mary concludes by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So Mary believed, and in her humble state, she acted on that belief. Mary then goes off to verify what this angel told her about. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and this is in verses 39 to 45. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings as she was coming in through the door, she heard Mary's greetings, and the baby, who was actually John the Baptist in her womb, the baby leapt for joy. Then Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, said in a loud voice, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed. So Mary believed, despite what this would cost her. So now it is in this context, not a joyful, triumphant graduation ceremony, a context that's not very socially acceptable that Mary begins to sing. It's within this context of faith, belief, humility, and submission to obey despite the hardships that will come along. It's within this hard context that she bursts out into song. And Mary starts to sing, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Some translation use the word magnify. It says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit Spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see, as she is singing, she's focusing all her attention on who God is and what he has done. There's this explosion of praise and joy bubbling out from within her and rising in the form of a song because it was just too hard to contain that kind of joy. You just got to sing. So she realizes the supreme worth and value of the one who is working in her life. So she sings out this song. And although she was in a very tough situation, she understood that the God of the universe loves her. And the God of the universe is working in her life. And now he's doing this amazing thing within her and for her. She's able to see above and beyond her social circumstances and notice what was happening in the supernatural realm. That's why she could sing. She is giddy with joy for the favor of God that God bestows on her. Like, who is she? She is a nobody. Yet God lifted this nobody up. He notices her lowly and humble state, and she responds with worship and adoration. 
So she starts singing. She starts singing through a list of what God has already done for her in her specific situation, which is if you read it, it's similar to how Hannah praised God in the Old Testament. And you can read that in the book of 1 Samuel. So she's going to sing. She's going to start to sing. And she's going to start this song by outlining what God has already done in her life and what he is doing in her life. So verse 48, he has been mindful. Verse 49, the mighty one has done great things. Holy is his name. I kind of feel like I want to sing that now. And after declaring that God is holy, the lyrics of the Magnificat takes a very different turn in the last two-thirds of the song. Something happens, interesting happens in verses 50 to 52. And this section begins by his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. What's happening here is Mary is no longer just singing about what God has done for her anymore, but now she is anchoring that experience in what God has done throughout history. So Mary begins to locate her story within the grand narrative of God's story and what he is doing throughout history. So instead of praising God just for her specific situation, she begins to locate herself within the larger story of God's story, and her praise starts to extend beyond herself. She is connecting her personal experience of God with the stories that she's heard of in the past, of Israel's story, recounting generation after generation of God's faithfulness of those who feared him, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, and Isaac. And so what is God doing? Now she's connecting all that historical knowledge to her experience of God and saying, wow, God is faithfully extending his mercy to me the way he has done in the past to the generations before me who also feared him. So Mary can sing despite her circumstances because Mary knows based on the generations before her that God extends his mercy to those who fear him. And I want you to notice something interesting here, the grammatical tense. The grammatical tense in verse 50, how it's structured, it is written in a way that expresses timelessness. It's a habitual present tense that is true of what God is doing, what God has done in the past what God is doing in the present, and what God will do in the future without differentiation. This structure has a tense of timelessness. And when it comes to the mercy of God, there is no such thing as a best before date. So what is it about God's mercy that God extends to those who fear him? And what does fear have to do with receiving God's mercy. How are these two words? How are these two things linked? Now, this word mercy is defined as loyal love, as God's loyal love, his faithful, loving, compassionate, 
compassionate kindness. And in the Old Testament, that word is chesed in Hebrew. Chesed. Say it with me. Chesed. H-E-S-E-D. Chesed. That's God's loving, faithful kindness in Hebrew. This love is faithful and gracious, and it is the same word used in our Advent reading from Psalm 103, verses 8 to 18, read by Ian, if you were paying attention to what he was reading. Psalm 103, verse 17, from that reading says, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love or the Lord's mercy, or we're going to use that word, the Lord's chesed is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Now, according to that verse, verse 50, God extends his chesed, his mercy to those who fear him, those who fear God, which means there are those who won't receive God's chesed because they don't fear him, which means everyone has a choice whether to receive or not to receive God's mercy based on their decision to trust God and fear him. Because you see, to trust God, just like Mary, it's a choice. It's a decision you have to make, and God doesn't force anyone. It connects us back to that Greek word pistis that Pastor Andrew talked about in his sermon a few weeks ago. So you're going to have to go back and listen to what he preached about, which carries with it, that word pistis carries with it this notion of faith, belief, and obedience. And in order to have that faith and belief, fear of God is in the equation. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. Now, I'm going to go to the next word. That word fear has a whole range of meaning. There's this fear that relates to anticipation of danger and pain. That's fear. And um, it's translated as dread or terror in the Bible. But there's that kind of fear that is attributed to reverence, to awe. This kind of fear that leads someone to worship and adoration that can only come from a heart that is humble. And that is the fear that Mary is singing about. It is amplified respect and awe because God is holy. And because he is holy, God alone is worthy of uh, worship and adoration. Therefore, it is a holy fear, not dread or terror. It is this holy fear of God's authority that drives someone to hate all forms of evil and all forms of injustice. And this is the kind of fear that is mentioned in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. I have it there. And that says, uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if you want to be wise, fear God. Don't just drink vitamins. Fear God. That holy fear of God can only come from a heart of humility, of lowliness, not pride. And that fear of the Lord is cultivated within a heart that is humble, a lowly state that the Lord grants his favor, his chesed, chesed. 
He extends his mercy from generations to generations in abundance. And he extends that chesed to who? To those who fear him, his overflowing favor. So when the angel greeted Mary, Mary is described as someone who is highly favored, someone who has received this mercy, not because she earned it or because she's of a certain status or a class, but because God saw her and he noticed her and that she was not prideful, so she received his loving kindness and then she is then exalted and lifted up by God. That's what it does. Mary receives God's chesed. And verse 48 of Luke chapter 1 says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Chesed. I can't think of a better investment for your children and your children's children than to walk humbly before God, for he will extend his mercies, his chesed to the generations that follow. Now, when my children were small, Chris and Karen, Charles and I were able to put aside a uh, small amount of money every month into, uh, what do you call that thing for education? Uh, What is it? R-E-S-P. I was going to say R-R-S-P. So we put aside money every month for an our ESP, says the accountants in the room, we made an investment so to you know, put up this small money to help them finance their education when they decide to go to university. And yes, this has helped in some way, but we were also mindful to not just invest for their lives now on earth, but also for eternity from generation to generation. You see, you can't make up that kind of transaction by going to the bank because that kind of transaction starts in your heart, in humility. So I'd like to encourage you to invest in your children's generation, not just for their generation, but in the generations that will follow your children's children and their children's children and the generation that's not yet been born by noting who alone is worthy, who alone is holy, and believing humbly in his name. Now, that kind of investment is a choice that you can make today. It's a personal decision, a decision of where, of what, and who. Most importantly, who you're going to put your trust in. That kind of investment doesn't start in the bank. It starts with a humble heart with yourself. And that is a decision that you alone can make that can either bless your children or not bless your children and your children's children. It starts with you to bless the future generation and the generations that will follow. It is an investment strategy that will never cease to increase in profit because God's mercy extends to those who fear him. From where? From generation to generation. I don't have any uh, financial investment or banking background. I have a seminary degree, but it, it doesn't involve numbers. But I can guarantee you, if you want to wisely invest in your children and in your children's children, start with yourself now by humbly seeking God, and he will extend his mercy, his chesed to you and the generations after that. Amen? 
So Mary continues with her song. She said, God has performed mighty deeds with his, with his mighty arm, and God has, God has scattered those who are proud in their thoughts. This is one of God's doing. And after uh, Mary's declaration of the generosity of God's mercy, the hymn or the song begins to broaden. She goes on to say what God has done with his mighty arm in history, recounting Israel's history when God rescued his people from slavery. And you can read that um, in Exodus, when God rescued his people from slavery in Egypt. That's from the book of Exodus. God extended his mercy to those who feared him, and he has performed mighty deeds on behalf of his people throughout history and rescued them with his mighty arm from impossible situations. But his might, but his might is exercised against those who are proud, against those who feel that they're above others, and God scatters those who are proud. The picture here that we get is one of arrogant, haughty skeptics whose thoughts are never humble before God. They are people who can't even see themselves performing a simple task of service for the sake of others. Now, it's interesting to note that uh, here that pride, if you look at the verse, those who are proud in their thoughts, that pride begins in the mind. It starts with a thought. It says that God scatters those who are proud in their thoughts, not proud in their actions. And you know, how has God scattered the proud? God has brought down rulers. The overthrow of rulers who do not obey God's will is a sign of God's mighty arm actively moving in history. So just pick up a history book and read and note what happened to haughty and prideful rulers, kings and presidents, dictators, emperors, people in power who are not seeking God. Where are they now? Nowhere. You know why? Because God's mighty arm has scattered them. That's why. But God is doing something different. God has lifted the humble. In contrast to how God scatters the proud, God has lifted the humble. By way of contrast, the mighty and the proud, they are overthrown, but the humble will be exalted. But, you know, in a way, in this song, Mary is remembering how God has lifted her and noticed her humble state. The God of the universe, imagine that. The God of the universe, the creator God, sees those who are humble in heart. And you know what he does? He doesn't scatter them. He lifts them up. He lifts up the humble. James chapter 4, verse 6 says that God opposes the proud but shows what? Favor to the humble. He extends his chesed to the humble. So in a way, Mary's song is every disciple's song who has believed by faith in Jesus Christ. The Magnificat is a song of trust. It's a song of obedience, of holy fear and celebration of who God is and what he has done in our lives and what he will continue to do for us as long as we're humbly seeking his face. God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. 
and God's mighty arm and his chesed are extended lovingly to those who choose, to those who choose to put their trust in Jesus. You know what? This is good news. It is. In contrast, God scatters those who are proud in their thoughts and opposes them. And we see how that is true in the way God has moved throughout history. He has brought down rulers, tyrants, dictators from their thrones because he alone is worthy of worship and adoration. But to the humble, God bestows his mercy, his chesed. God notices those that are humble and he lifts them up with his mighty arm the way he has done for Mary. So today, you can make the choice and the decision which camp you want to be in. Pride versus humility. A life of God's favor overflowing to the generations. Or you can choose a life where God opposes you. That's really up to you. And the contrast is clear here. I put asterisks on verse 50 and verse 52. The contrast is very clear. Um, in this season of Advent, uh, may we be like Mary. May we believe and respond through obedience despite what it would cost us. Because you know what? Discipleship has a cost. It's not a life of luxury, but the, but the reward far outweighs the sacrifice. May we respond in the way Mary did when she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. You know, what a profound thing to locate our story and experience of God in the grand story of that one story, God's story. You know what? We can do that together. We can look, locate one another's story when we join in community together with others who have made that decision. We want to gather together. We want to gather around the feet of Jesus and worship him. So may we respond. My prayer is that we will respond by magnifying the name of Jesus Christ today. And may our spirit rejoice in God our Savior. May we cultivate a heart of humility and reverent fear of God so that his mercy, and I want you to say that word with me, his chesed will extend from generation to generation through our children and our children's children. What a blessing. Amen.